Hi, this is Pastor Jim. Thanks for joining us for this week's message from Riverside Church. I believe you will be inspired and blessed by the Word of God. We'd love to welcome you to one of our services next time you're in the Brisbane area. If you'd like to know more about us, go online at www.riversidecc.org.au or like us on Facebook to hear about up-and-coming events. I hope you enjoy the message. God bless you. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. If you are in Christ Jesus, the powerful Spirit that raised Christ from death is living within you right now. And I became quite, um, the more I thought about it, the more I became convicted is the right word. How much do I understand that? How much do I know that? How much is that a defining thing in my life? I believe that the resurrection of Jesus, the resurrected power of Jesus, the spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. It should be a defining factor in every part of our lives. In every moment of our lives, we should be defined by the fact that Jesus rose from death and the spirit that raised him is living in us. Every moment of our lives should be defined by that. Every word we speak should be defined by knowing who we are, that the Holy Spirit, the spirit that raised Christ from the dead, lives in us. This is the last of the messages now. Uh, we've been um, leaning, coming as we've been leading into Easter. We've had seven, we've had six. This is the seventh message about things that happened to Jesus as he was coming towards the cross, as he was coming towards the culmination of his life on earth and what he was sent on earth, sent to earth to do. And so this is the last one, last um, on Friday, sorry. Jim spoke on Good Friday about the many, many proofs and evidences that there are that Jesus was crucified, that no one can actually argue against the crucifixion of Jesus happening because it has been recorded, not just in his word, but in so many historical texts and in so many people who saw it, recorded it. The resurrection of Jesus is such a significant event that it split the history of the world in two. Our dating is either BC or AD. The history of the world was split in two. Everything was either before Christ or after. Even today's date, the 9th of April, 2023, 2023 is dated from the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But of course, his resurrection is significant in so much more than how we date and how we have dates. So on Friday, we looked at the cross. Today, we're going to have a look at the resurrection. Turn with me to Luke chapter 24, please. It should come up on the screen for you, but if you want to read in your Bible for yourselves, Luke chapter 24. We're going to start reading in verse 13. We're coming across two men who have been disciples of Jesus. Sorry, could be a man and a woman. We don't know. Two people coming across, uh, who are walking away from Jerusalem. Jesus has just been crucified. It's the third day after he was crucified. It's the day he said he would rise again. And these two disciples, not the original 12, but two disciples of Jesus are walking away from town. They're walking away from Jerusalem where Jesus would rise from death. 
It says this, that same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them, but God kept them from recognising him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? You can imagine the intensity of their discussion because of what has happened three days ago and everything that's going on in Jerusalem. They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about the things that have happened here in the last few days. Just a little bit of sarcasm. Zing, what, have you been living under a rock or something? You don't know what's actually happened here. What things, says Jesus? Jesus is gracious. Oh, what things? Please tell. These things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles, and he was a mighty teacher. In, and the leaders handed him over to be condemned to death. Mighty teacher of Mr. Line, in the eyes of God and all his people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped that he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Then some women from our group, and here comes the testimony. They've even heard testimony. They've heard testimony. Some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning, and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing, and they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see because you don't trust the words of the woman. Let the man speak. <laughs> Sorry, that's a bit naughty. This is back in the day. Okay. Some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the women had said. They're still walking out of town. There's been testimony. And then come to verse 30. I don't know if this is up on the screen. Verse 30 says, As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly, their eyes were opened and they recognised him. At that moment, he disappeared. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures? Isn't hindsight a beautiful thing? Their eyes were opened and they recognised him. Until then, they had not recognised him. From their sad faces and their words, we can gather that these two disciples had given up hope. What they had experienced, and it would have been very traumatic for the followers of Jesus to see the crucifixion and all that happened around the crucifixion. Everything they had experienced had caused them to stop believing. Even a testimony wasn't enough for them to go, hang on, did that happen? They had brought testimony and it means nothing. After the women have told them everything, they say, and sure enough, his body was gone. But they are done following Jesus until their eyes are opened. There may be some people sitting here today or who have joined us online, thank you, and experiences have caused you to give up on Jesus. If not completely give up on Jesus... At least give up on the promises that you have believed. 
experience in life may have caused you to begin to give up believing the words that Jesus said. You've heard his word and maybe once it was strong in you and you believed it strongly. But with life's experiences, that may have started to fade away. The Bible even speaks about how some people end up growing cold. Maybe your thoughts on Jesus and what he promised are in the, we had hoped, I had hoped that would happen like these men said. Maybe your thoughts are like, well, he was this, he was. See, these men are speaking of Jesus as past tense. Everything they believed about Jesus had become past tense to them. And today I want to ask you, is some of the things you believe about Jesus or all the things you believe about Jesus or even a tiny bit in his word that you have believed has it become past tense to you? Not current now. I did believe, I had hoped, but is it not current now? We're still in Luke 24 and I'll read the first verses. Verse from verse 1. And this is about the women who came to the tomb. So this was a couple of people. One of them's called Cleopas. And at the um, cross, there were some women around the cross of Jesus. And one of them was the wife of Cleopas. So this could be Cleopas and his wife walking out of town. Or it could be Cleopas and another gentleman. Verse 1. But very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes, making it clear to us that these are angels. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? Another version says, why are you looking for the living among the dead? Why do you look for the living among the dead? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. Then they remembered that he had said this. So they rushed back from the tomb to tell his 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. These women are so devoted to Jesus that they want to put embalming spices onto his body. He's dead. They've come with spices, embalming spices, to give him an honourable burial. Back then, if someone was crucified on a cross, they were not given an honourable burial. The Romans didn't crucify people for slight crimes. They crucified people for insurrection, people who stood up against them. They crucified people for that, and they crucified hardened criminals. So Jesus died the death of a hardened criminal. But back in that day, because he was crucified, he wasn't actually entitled to have the proper embalming spices and to have an honourable burial. But Joseph of Arimathea had gone and sought permission to have Jesus' body taken down so they could bury him. And these women have come with these spices because they want to honour Jesus. They love him. They are devoted to him. And they have bought these spices to give him the honourable burial that they, that they felt that he deserved. Back in those days, even some people were left hanging on a cross for many days 
as a warning. A warning what happens if you try to go up against the Roman Empire. Insurrectionists were crucified and then they were often left there for quite a while. So everyone gets the message, don't try and stand up against the Roman Empire. They are puzzled to find that his body is not there. Everything is different from their expectation of what Jesus was going to do and what Jesus had said he would do. The angel says to them, why do you search for the living among the dead? That should have been the first clue. You, that should have been the first clue to them because here's the thing, they were not searching for the living among the dead, they were searching for the dead among the dead. You don't take embalming spices expecting to find a living person. You take embalming spices expecting to find a corpse. They were looking for the dead where the dead are and they were going resigned to what had happened to Jesus, resigned that their saviour who had promised a kingdom, well, that obviously isn't happening, but we love him and we honour him because he was such a good man. We're going to come and we're going to give him the embalming. They have come to honour his death, but they have no expectation of life. They hadn't gone so far as to leave town, but they had come to act upon death. Everyone is so discouraged by the disappointing situation that had come. Matthew's account, recount, Matthew's account of the resurrection of Jesus, in his account, he actually says that when they saw Jesus, it wasn't until Jesus said, Mary, that they realised that it was Jesus and he was alive. They didn't believe until they heard his voice. With these men, they didn't believe until their eyes were opened. With these women, they didn't believe until they heard his voice. When he said her name, she was able to believe. Until he said her name, he could not believe. Is there something you need to hear or to see so that you have a resurrection of hope in Jesus if there's things that you have started to give up on hoping and trusting in Jesus. And we could look at them and say, well, they're just weak in faith. They were just weak in faith. If I was there, it would have been different. But there was absolutely no one who expected to see a living Jesus. Not one person. They had followed him. They were his disciples. They'd seen the miracles. They'd heard the teachings. They'd been with him and learnt everything. They could learn about him for three years. And not one person expected that he would rise from death as he said he would. Because if there had been one person, just one disciple, who said, I believe he's going to rise today, that would have been recorded. And we would be preaching about the faith of that person to this day. Not one person believed that Jesus would rise from the dead as he said he would. <clears throat> See, over these seven weeks, we've been recounting the experiences of Jesus leading to the cross. And we could be sitting there thinking, like the first one was about when he was betrayed. We could be thinking, Judas, that betrayer, that backstabber, look at him putting Jesus into that position. Look what he did putting Jesus in that position. He started all this. He started it so that Jesus would end up on the cross. Those conniving religious leaders, they put Jesus on the cross. It was their sneaky behaviour. That's what put Jesus on the cross. That weakling Pilate, Please, he had all that power. He could have stopped this. 
He could have stopped this. He could have stopped Jesus going to the cross. The baying crowd gone mad. People he would have healed. People he would have set free. People he would have done miracles for and people he taught would have been amongst the crowd that was baying and saying, crucify him. How could they? We could think that. How could they? After everything he did for them, those cruel soldiers, they hurt Jesus and they put him on the cross. No. God the Father put Jesus on the cross. God the Father put Jesus on the cross. Everyone else is a bit player in God's plan for salvation. Everyone else has a small role. God the Father put Jesus on the cross because he had a plan to reconcile all people to himself and Jesus was his plan. Jesus was God's plan to reconcile all people to himself. See, these ones have all looked and become so discouraged. All that hope, all that talk about the kingdom, gone. All that hope, where's the kingdom now? Where's the kingdom? There's a tomb. Where's the kingdom? There was the cross. They murdered him. Where's, where's the kingdom? How is he our Messiah? They've all given up. They've all become discouraged and given up. Nothing has happened as it was supposed to happen. How many times in life do we go, nothing has happened the way it was supposed to happen? I've believed God and nothing went the way it was supposed to go. I believed God and then this happened. I actually had a person say to me, God did not do what he was supposed to do, so I just don't believe anymore. Nothing's happened the way it was supposed to happen. And they have become discouraged and they have become dismayed and they are leaving town and they're coming to serve death. Actually, everything has happened exactly as it was meant to happen. Every single thing. We've recounted seven times, seven incidents that were happening to Jesus as he was being pushed towards the cross. Who was pushing him to the cross? God the Father was pushing him to the cross. God the Father was sending him to the cross because God wanted to reconcile us to himself and the only way was the cross of Christ. God put Jesus on the cross. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son. But see, that's just the beginning. That's just the beginning. The cross is step one. Jesus dies on the cross and then three days later he rises from the dead having defeated the power of the enemy. He goes back to be with God, mission accomplished and he sends the Holy Spirit so that God's work on earth can continue to reconcile people to himself. That work can continue and the Holy Spirit lives in us for God's work to continue. The Holy Spirit is in us so that God's work can continue. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. God put Jesus on the cross. God raised him from the dead. And then they sent the Holy Spirit to live in us so we could finish the mission that God has to bring every single person so that none would perish, bring them all back to God. We need to stop informing our knowledge of God by circumstances. We need to stop informing our knowledge of God by circumstances. What I mean by that is their knowledge of who Jesus was and what he was going to do completely changed when circumstances changed. 
And we do exactly the same thing. We do exactly the same thing. As soon as the circumstance is different to what we think God should be doing, it is very easy for our knowledge of God, meaning what we think about him, our belief of what he will do, our trust in his promises, changes. And we inform our knowledge of God according to circumstances around us. This is exactly what these people did. Our eyes, our ears and our minds are very poor witnesses to truth. We trust our eyes, we trust our ears, we trust how we think. Very poor witnesses to truth. The plans of God will not be stopped. The plans of God will not be stopped. If, no matter what Judas did, no matter what conniving priests did, no matter what Pilate did, no matter what the crowd did, no matter what the Roman soldiers did, the plan of God would never be stopped. And the plan of God was Jesus and it was the salvation of the world. And I want to say to you, some of us might need a resurrection of our own this morning. Some of us might need a resurrection of our own this morning. When I say the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you, if that means nothing to us, we need a resurrection of our own this morning. Amen. We need a resurrection of faith. We need a resurrection of hope. We need a resurrection of our knowledge of God, of our understanding of who God is and what God does. There may be people here today, people online, you need a resurrection of your knowledge of God. You need a resurrection of your faith. You need a resurrection of your hope. We're going to close this morning in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1. We're not going to read the whole chapter just because there's a lot, to, there's a lot there. But in the first 14 verses, from verse 1 to verse 14, the words, in him or in Christ appear either between six to nine times depending on your version. In some versions, just the way it's written, it comes out six times or seven times or eight times or nine times because there's different versions of the Bible and different ways that things are set. But in the first 14 verses, it says, in him or in Christ, over and over and over again. And when we went through that study of Ephesians um, back a while ago as a church. You might remember that chapters 1 to 3 of Ephesians, Paul is telling us who we are in Christ. This is who you are in Christ. And in those 14 verses, he talks about how we are blessed, how we are adopted into his family, how we are chosen, how we are predestined, how we are, and it's in him, 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 in him. Because Paul is trying to say we need that knowledge of God to know what, who we are in him, in him. And who we are when we have the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. So I'm going to read to you from verse 15. But keep in your mind, this is in him, in him. It says, ever since, now some versions say for this reason. For what reason? Because we are in Christ. The reason is we are in Christ. Everything that Paul says about us here is because we are in Christ. So if you are in Christ this morning, you are not outside of this. I don't care what you think, what you feel, what people have said to you, what you have experienced in life, you are not outside of this if you are in Christ. This is you. 
And he says, I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus. I'll say that for us all, thank you. And your love for God's people everywhere. I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and revelation. That word revelation is apocalypsis, apocalypsis, from which we get the word apocalypse. And it means laying bare, disclosing. So Paul is saying, I'm praying that you will get such a revelation that everything you don't understand about God, every lie you've believed from the enemy, everything that's been said to you that is contrary to the word of God, every experience that has caused you to think something different, every single thing, I pray that God's truth will be disclosed to you. Laid bare. Paul wants us to have laid bare to us. This is who you are. This is who you are. This is Resurrection Sunday. This is the power of the resurrection to totally and completely transform a person who is in Jesus. Who is in Jesus. This is who you are. And Paul says, I pray to be just laid bare to you so you won't have any doubts. And so if something rotten happens to you, it doesn't change your mind. So chaos, I'm good, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in Christ, I'm good to keep going. So that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light. Some versions say, I pray that your hearts will be enlightened. Not your eyes, not your eyes, your heart, because your heart is your innermost being. And Paul is praying that if we're anywhere needs absolute revelation, it's our heart. So I pray there'll be an enlightening in your heart. I pray that it'll be flooded with light. But hang on, isn't he writing this to people who he just called strong in faith? So he's writing this to people he's called strong in faith, and he says, you know what? You need a revelation. You need a revelation. See, there's many of us here, we've been walking with the Lord a long time. And we pray and we know God and we're strong in faith. That's many, many here and, and online. That's many of us. And Paul says, I need you to be enlightened. I need you to know more about God. I need you to grow in your knowledge of God. I need you to grow in that. That's what Paul is asking them for. It makes me think of a dimmer light. If you go into our baby's room... Um, Pillar Electricals, amazing, put amazing lights in our church. And in the baby room, uh, like a dimmer light, if that's actually what it's called, for the babies, so you can dim down the light, make it a bit darker. And that's what it makes me think of. I feel like there's a light on, there's a light on in me, but you know what? God wants to turn it up and make it a bit brighter. So, you know, Pavy, you know some stuff. You trust me, you know some stuff but I want you to be enlightened. I actually want you to know more. And I believe he's speaking that to many people here, that Easter's not just meant to be another weekend, a long weekend, and we eat chocolate and then feel guilty tomorrow, whatever. He doesn't want it to be just that. I believe God is speaking to the hearts of people and he's saying, you need to, you need to have more enlightenment and more understanding, more revelation of who you are in me, who you are in Jesus. I believe he's speaking to many people because he's been speaking to me. Same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you, lives in me. How much revelation of that do we actually have? How much of that do we actually live? When we get up in the morning, do we get up knowing the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in me? As I go into my day, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in me. How much are we doing? How much is that? 
absolutely part of us. Maybe that dimmer light just needs to be turned up. He says, so you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called. That's you. You are called. His holy people. That's you. You are his holy people who are rich and in glorious inheritance, who are his rich, glorious inheritance. That's you. That's you. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power. That word is dunamis, God's miracle-working power for us who believe. The miracle-working power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. That's what the resurrection means to us. This is the same... Oh, here we go. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from dead and seated him in the place of honour at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. The same spirit that raised Christ from dead dwells in you. Do you need a resurrection of that knowledge this morning? Thanks for listening today. I hope you subscribe to the podcast so you can be inspired weekly. God bless and have a great day.